Ramadan Reflections, Day 13. Women, differences with men in some areas, such as blood money, testimony, and inheritance. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And welcome back to Ramadan Reflections for 2023, today being the 13th day of the blessed month of Ramadan. We looked at yesterday very briefly a theme of accusing righteous women of having uh, illicit sexual relationships and what the rules are and what the outcome and punishment would be. Uh, today we want to kind of further develop this area of discussion uh, in looking at the differences which exist between women and men in some areas of Islamic law. You know, primarily uh, what we call the dia, the blood money for the death of an, uh, of an innocent person, their testimony, their bearing witness in a court of law, and also uh, inheritance, the, what, is left, what is left for them after the death of a member of the family that they're entitled to inherit with, from. You know, and if you kind of have been following along, you're going to recognize that through our theme this year, we've been seeing how the revolution which Islam brought about and how women were treated and understood began to shift, right? The mindset of the people began to change the revolution and the revelation of the Quran and the Prophet teaching it to the people. It really transformed the hearts and minds of the people who for so long had lived in utter spiritual darknesses. It was a sad state from our first two lectures or two or three sessions where we looked at the state of the women to where we are at now. Now, along with that change in the perception um, of the creation of the woman, the reward structure that Allah brought forth in other areas, Islam also brought with it a complete code of jurisprudence, the fiqh of Islam, the daily code of law. And this would lay down the law for how, you know, the fiqh would lay down the law for how human interactions would take place, such as the method of prayers, fasting, hajj pilgrimage, and other areas such as inheritance and much more in personal life and also in the public sphere. Now, although the books of jurisprudence, the books of ahkam or fiqh, they go into the specific laws of each section of human life and interaction, there are some areas in which the Quran has come down with direct verses in regards to. You know, and that's really most often we look at the, these ayat, these verses of the Quran, and we see a difference in the legal rulings between men and women. For example, in chapter 2, verse 178, Allah talks about the law of retribution, qisas. Yeah, another example is the law of testimony, of bearing witness, of shahada in a court of law. Look at chapter number 2, verse 282. Or you look at the laws of inheritance, of wiratha. Chapter number 4, verse 11 and 12. These are just some examples. There's many more in the Quran. We'll just focus on one of them, the law of inheritance, and why is there a difference? This affects most of us more than any, any other rules in Islam. And so some argue, why is the inheritance of a woman... Uh, compared to that of a man, less. In actuality, it's the other way around. The inheritance of the man is much less, is it half or less than that of a woman. Now, how is that, you would say? Because all the calculators and scholars have said that women inherit less than a man. When, when the, for example, the father passes away, the woman will inherit half of what her brothers get, or less maybe. Well, simply put, Islam has obligated the man to take care of all of the expenses of the house food, clothing, shelter, whatever else is needed. And therefore, a large portion of the man's paycheck, not only, but whatever even he were to inherit, it goes to take care of his family. At the same time, 
if the wife, if the woman is working, as many women uh, do these days as well, we have couples which are double income earners. Islam says she's entitled to keep all of her money. Therefore, if her husband passed away, she would not only technically have her own savings, because she wouldn't have paid for the mortgage or the food or car payments, but she would also have her own portion of her inheritance from her husband, let's say, or her father. In addition to this, Islam allows one-third of one's estate to be used in whatever way a person wishes, and that could also be given to one's wife in the will or their daughter, for example. And in addition to this, we know that if a woman were to get remarried, if it's the case of a woman, her husband passes away, after the waiting period, the idda has concluded, she's allowed to get married again, which I know is hard, if not impossible, in many cases due to our own backward cultural practices and society's stigma. But if that does happen, then again, her expenses are now covered by her new husband. So her previous savings, her inheritance, if she has any left, it's all hers to keep. And in addition, we know that for inheritance, there is no khums on it. Regardless how much you inherit, for how long you have it, you never pay khums on inheritance. So this woman, this woman who has now maybe lost a husband, lost a father, lost a male figure in her family whom she inherits from, all the money she gets is hers to keep. Now some may counter this rationale and say, well, you know, in modern societies, women and man, husband and wife, both have to work. They have to contribute to the economy of the family. They have to pay the bills, the mortgages, the vacations, the expenses, the car loans, all the debts that are piling. Man and woman, husband and wife, both are helping and paying the bills. To this, I would say that yes, in some cases, it is at a need that both husband and wife have to work and pay the bills. But many times, it is sheer greed, brothers and sisters. Look, let's just get down to it and be realistic. Couples want a double income to live a much better, lavish lifestyle, to keep up with the Joneses, to enjoy the nice cars and, and fancy wallets and purses. Now, I don't want to over-stereotype the situation, but you know, you look in the cultures, whether in the East or the West, and we don't live Islamic lives. We don't live our lives according to the rules of Islam, and then we wonder why we are in the situation we're in. We want to place the blame on Islam when it's our own fault, it's our lifestyle, our cultural backwardness that stunts our spiritual growth and prevents us from fulfilling and living the verses of the Quran. And then we want to blame God for why do women inherit less? Why do women, you know, why is this? Why is it like this for women? Why is it like that for women? When we realize it is actually our doing. It's not the fault of Islam, brothers and sisters. When people say, why do women inherit less? Inherit less? Let's look at what Islam gave to women as rights in terms of economic policy, and then look at the laws of inheritance. If you want to say, why did Allah in the Quran talk about the fact that when there is a death, that the rules of qasas and the blood money uh, are different, for example, uh, and I don't want to go into the specifics, but just generally speaking, we know that there are examples mentioned generally in the Quran and also in the Hadith where we see there's a, di a disparity in how those, uh, you know, if a woman is killed and a man is killed innocently, how there are differences, why is that there? It's not because a man's blood is worth more, not because the physical blood is worth anything more than a woman. No, there's a rationale behind it. Why is it when it comes to Bearing witness, testimony, 
that there is a apparent difference of, of, uh, of a woman's testimony and a man. And is that universal or is that limited to specific areas? That's another area that we need to discuss and review because some people have been given to understand that it's in every single instance that a woman is always worth half the testimony of a man, but that's not the case. Let me conclude uh, with a hadith from Imam al-Radha When he was asked about why is it that the woman's inheritance seemingly is less than a man, half? Why is it that she gets less? Why did God, God, you know, as we might say, as some people might say, why did God discriminate against the woman and tell her you're not allowed or you're not worth it to inherit more from your husband? Well, when Imam al-Radha, peace be upon him, the eighth Imam was asked this question, he replied by saying that the share of the females in the inheritance is half of the males because when a female enters into marriage, she A, receives something, the mahar, the gift from her husband, while the man is obligated to give something to the wife, that gift. It could be whatever you want, the couple wanted it to be and however amount. But the Imam says at the first reason, first rationale, that's why. Then the Imam says, in addition, it is a responsibility of the male to shoulder the expenses of the female. Whereas the females are neither responsible for their own expenses nor that of their husband or the males of their family. So really, in reality, brothers and sisters, are there differences in the Quranic areas of Islamic jurisprudence? Yes, there are. We can't sugarcoat it and, 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 and cover it up. The law of retribution, Qisas, chapter 2, again, verse 178, difference between men and women. Law of testimony of shahada in a court of law. There's a difference between the man and the woman, chapter 2, 282. Is there any difference in the inheritance laws and waratha? Yes, there is, chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. The short answer is yes for all three. There are differences, of, there are differences between the man and the woman. The challenge, however, is that we cannot go you know, through all of the verses today and explain the rationale for you. Why Allah has put these all in place. But let me you know, wind up our discussion today in this day of Ramadan and Ramadan Reflections and say that if we are Muslims and we are people of Iman, we'll realize that Allah does what He does with the wisdom. And ultimately, God is not obligated to explain Himself to you or I. Similarly, our beloved Prophet Muhammad, may Allah bless him and his family, may have explained some of these rules to the community, to his companions and the family members, and he may, delve, he may have delved into some of the philosophy of certain topics. However, most often than not, he didn't do so, which means that he expects us, as God expects us, to submit to these rules, even if we don't understand them or they don't fit with our current thought pattern or the current secular society we live in. Now, let me mention this as I do conclude that, you know, if you are interested, there are books written by contemporary scholars in which they try to understand why such outward differences exist, and they do put their answers in a plain language. Uh, we will leave links in the description of this video to some of those works that are available in English. Uh, in any case, let me conclude our discussion right now at this point and note that tomorrow we're going to delve into a topic in which Allah presents the man and the woman, I mean the husband and the wife, as unique individuals that complement one another. They're not at loggerheads or odds with one another. They're meant to complement and work together. So join us tomorrow, brothers and sisters, as we review the topic of men and women, garments for one another.
And how Allah gives us a beautiful example how we are to be a garment for our spouse. Until then, wassalamu alaikum jamian wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.